And this is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast on which we rewatch whatever we want to see what it has to teach us today. Whatever we want to watch today is Erie, Indiana. Yay. Uh, episode, uh, yay, indeed. The episode's <laughs> called Just Say No Fun. It's a season one, episode six. It originally premiered uh, October 27th, 1991, and was written by Michael R. Perry. Yes, and you can watch the entire series, which is only 19 episodes long, on Amazon Prime Video for free. We also have a very special guest with us today. We are joined uh, remotely by Ali Fareel, and they are an arts journalist and playwright and the artistic director of the Louisville French Festival. Welcome, Ali. Hello. Hello. All right, good. <laughs> if we had more people, more people would have welcomed you. It's just us two. So we do our best. Dog. I mean, I'm I'm on something of a, a time crunch because my snack is Uh-oh. a popsicle. So, <gasps> you know, I mean, I got it like in a lunchbox with some ice and stuff, but no, we're it. really we're no fire. I mean, we're, we're no, Yeah, we're no strangers to snack emergencies. Let's get right into that. Mm-hmm, save mm-hmm. yours, S-O-S, save our snack. <laughs> um, Allie, tell us about the snack that you have that can't possibly be shared today. <laughs> so, um, right? You can share it emotionally with Yay. me by, by hearing and seeing the joy. So I have an outshine bar. This is a mango outshine bar. There seem to be several several products in the outshine line. There are some yogurty ones and some that are dipped in chocolate. Or, I, I don't know. I keep it simple. The mango is... Uh, Bizarrely creamy for something that is just fruit and at just 60 calories, you know, I can have not feel guilty. I've seen those. If they're they're not using the phrase bizarrely creamy for their marketing material, they are missing out. (laughs) Uh, Isn't that just one of the sequels to Ghost? Are we talking about the Ghost? Don't don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. No. That's an off-air discussion, Allie. We keep that stuff off-air. And it was about to come out of my mouth, and I was like, wait. <laughs> I also have a snack today, and it's also orange. So Trader Joe's has a thing called Jingle Jangle at Christmas, which is like a snack mix. Yeah, I know, which is also what they call drugs on Riverdale. So every time I see it, I'm like, jingle, jingle. But this That's is also what you could refer to your spurs doing, I've noted. <laughs> mm-hmm. The last thing I think about with Jingle Jangle is Christmas time. So please, I, I'm, I'm very curious. This is the, you're going to love this then, because this okay. is the Easter time sequel, Springle Jangle. Stop. <laughs> should it be if no. it's Easter? <laughs> if it's Easter theme, should it be Jesus Jangle? <laughs> it should be, but it's a non-denominational Beltane springtime uh, <laughs> I got a savior that goes jingle, jangle, jingle. <laughs> Equinox. <laughs> Sprinkle jangle. My jingle is not the jingle? I, I don't know. Um, I don't think so. All right, let's try these snacks. Andy, you have... What's going on? Yeah, it's a snack mix. It's got 
Oh, yogurt coated mini pretzels, milk chocolate peanut butter cups, non pareized with sprinkles, butter toffee peanuts, and broken pieces of dark chocolate JoJo bark. So it's quite it's quite right. a melange. Um, so uh, there's a lot happening. Yeah, let's uh, let's test these things out. I'm only happy when it rains. I'm only happy when it's complicated. And though I know you can't appreciate it, I'm only happy when it rains. You know I love it when the news is bad. Why it feels so good, it feels so sad. I'm only happy when it rains. Let's start with Allie. Allie, is your mango uh, popsicle bizarre and or creamy or both? Yes, it is all of those. And so many unsaid things that have a certain <laughs> je ne sais quoi. You might not know what that word means. Oh, nice. Part, but... Wow. I didn't know you were actually French. Um, <laughs> I'm going to run out of French words in like two seconds. Like mayor. Sorry, the... I got so. You just blame that on on everybody else, and that's as French as anything. How did that sprinkles sprinkle bringle, sprinkle jangle? Go? Um, Thank you. It's good. It's um some it's it's a it's a mixed bag. The little mini peanut butter cups are super good. The JoJo's bark is super good. The yogurt coated pretzels I could probably do without, and they are quite quite a large percentage of the mass of this thing. I don't really like yogurt covered things or white chocolate covered things. Um, but white take chocolate's it, a lie. It is a lie. Thank you. It's not chocolate. If it's dogs a lie. can eat it, it's not chocolate. Um, <laughs> but this, I, I feel like this is would be great to put out at a party if you were allowed to have those, but you're not. So maybe just buy it for yourself. I don't know. It's fine. It's good. I'm glad I got it. Hey, have you all heard about that new religious dating site that also caters to um, serial killers? Christian Minkle Mingle. There it is. Thank you. So uh, now that our snacks are taken care of, uh, let's get into You Wrote What. Uh, this is Michael R. Perry. Michael R. Perry uh, wrote a bunch of stuff. He became more of a producer later on. Um, but in 2014, he wrote the movie The Voices, starring Ryan Reynolds, or as you may know him, Van City Ryan. Um, <laughs> that is how I know him from Instagram. <laughs> he's apparently from vancouver which is known as van city which on instagram he and is it joshua jackson ryan joshua jackson call themselves van city so and so that's why i had to look up what van city was and that's how i know they're that's both from vancouver because i was like what is van city and that's how i know it now it sounds like, like it or not i used cars like with the the murals <laughs> on the sides right there's like a unicorn and a guy with the yeah. confederate and a guitar like, and like one of those blow up dancey guys van city yeah. right exactly gonna, yeah that might as well be vancouver as well <laughs> i don't see why not uh the description of the voices from 2014 starring van city ryan a likable guy pursues his office crush with the help of his evil talking pets but things turn sinister when she stands him up for a date uh, I really, yeah, I know. It's like, sure, it, it's, sure. Yeah, it's son of son of Sam. It dates somebody. I've got I've become a real big fan of including this when the description's kind of like, oh, okay. 
including a, a fun goof from the IMDb goof section. So here's a fun goof from the movie. The voice is written by Michael R. Perry. <clears throat> when Jerry talks to Fiona after he put her head in the refrigerator, a gap can clearly be seen in Fiona's neck. This is most likely the hole where the actress stuck her head through. So just know that, people. And if you can suspend your disbelief enough, check out the voices. Nope, that's going to be a Huh. Like hard pass. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in that goof um, that that tells us pretty much everything we <laughs> yeah, need to know. It truly that's, does. Um, I would like you to. What? I would like to do a a, a a you wrote what for the creators of this series. Um, sure. So unprecedented, it, by the way. <laughs> right. Well, this, <laughs> this is, is the a thing. Big deal. All right. So Erie, Indiana. I totally watched this show as a kid. I remembered loving it. And then just a few weeks ago, I thought about it again. I don't in reference. I was trying to describe something to someone and I was like, you know, like Erie, Indiana. And they went, what are you talking about? And then I looked it up and realized you can watch it all on Amazon Prime and there's only one season of it. So I was like, this this is going to be a fun quarantine project for me. So I started rewatching it and I was like, man, this is well written. Like, who's in charge of Erie, Indiana? And then I looked yeah. it up, and the show was created by Jose Rivera, who is a playwright. He wrote the play Marisol, which I've seen at least three college productions of. And uh, Carl Schaefer was the other creator. And the creative consultant and a uh, guy who directed a lot of the uh, six, I think, of the 19 episodes is Joe Dante, who yeah. directed a bunch of the creature features like uh, Piranha, The Burbs, Gremlins. And in the series finale, which breaks the fourth wall of television, if whoa, you can whoa, believe whoa, it. Whoa, 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 No, I'm not here. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. That's all. Terrorists. Like, he, what do you just, oh, my God. He plays That's himself. Almost, he plays almost himself. Almost as bad as just telling me that Fiona's head is, is in the fridge. <laughs> um, but I Joe, should have paused and all gone and watched the voices and then come back so I could tell that goof. Joe Dante did not direct this particular episode that we're talking about today, uh, episode six. But yeah, so the pedigree on this show, for especially for a kid's show in the early 90s is pretty intense. The show aired on NBC from September 1991 to April 1992, not even a whole year, for 19 total episodes. But then it was syndicated on the Disney Channel starting in 1993. That's where I saw it. I saw it in syndication on Disney. And then it was on Fox Saturday mornings in 1997. And it was so popular on Fox that Fox produced a spinoff, which lasted only one season in 1998, which I haven't watched. It's none of the original cast. It's a different city. And it's like a, it's a, um, what's it called? It's called like Erie somewhere in Canada. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Erie Erie Van City. Yep. That's what it is. (laughs) Um, Did you watch the, did either of you watch this show? I never saw it before in my life. I, I did. Um, and it's weird. It, it makes sense now reading the history of it, but it seemed like it was on forever. But it, mm. it was just the one season, which is insane yeah. to me. Yep. But it's like one of those things where if you never watch a show and you tune in every other year, you always see the same episode of Charles in Charge. And it's the weird one with the naked person getting painting. And you, you hope you're going to see the naked person, even though you know you're not because it's Charles in Charge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Solid. Yep. It's like Relatable. that. It's like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I got it confused a little bit with the adventures of Pete and Pete. They were sort of mm. mangled up. And I enjoyed both of them. They were both a little bit of, a little out of left field in the early 90s, you know? Yeah. yeah. This like X-Files Jr. is, is how it I is, would describe this It is, but it was before show. the X-Files. It yeah. 
it was before um, the real teen dark craze of like, uh, are you afraid of the dark and that kind of stuff. It's before all that. Um, Twin Peaks had been on the air one season. And so I'm sure they pitched this as like a tween Twin Peaks uh, or like a a kitty Twilight Zone, which is how I... (laughs) how I think of it. Um, the show follows the investigations of Marshall Teller, a teenager whose family moves to Erie, Indiana, population 16661, from a larger city in New Jersey. And ironically, the family moves there so their kids can have a safer upbringing, but Marshall immediately realizes that Erie is, as he says, the center of weirdness for the entire planet. So he and his his much younger friend Simon... Uh, investigate strange happenings around town and they keep what they find in an evidence locker and they say eventually they'll have enough evidence to like go to the FBI about the the town. The show is so stylistically pure. It's like everything, it, it holds up great. It's got great Easter eggs, tons of awesome cameos and inside jokes for oh sci-fi God. and horror nerds. Oh my God. It was way ahead of its time and way too cool for 1991 TV. I just, right. it's like... The really smart thing about it is every episode is like what should be a very, a very run of the mill milestone. Kid gets a retainer. Kid has his first kiss. Kid has to get an eye exam. Turns into something like super creepy and sinister and magical. It's good. Yeah. It's a real good like. That's what that's what you want out of a kid's thing is is something normal goes horribly awry or there's mystery just underneath the surface of something. That's mm-hmm. that's some classic kids' fair right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. This has a, a this Twilight Zone, X Files, Twin Peaks, and I also see a lot of what we will probably be doing this episode or this season on our podcast. My favorite show of all time, The Prisoner. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot to do with that as well. What have you? Have we never talked about this, The Prisoner. Not in context of doing this on our podcast. Well, <laughs> you just said it's the I, whole next season, so. <laughs> Yeah, just saying, uh, just floating that idea now so you won't be so upset later on when I'm like, we're doing this. All right, we'll do a whole season of The Prisoner, and then after that, we're doing a whole season of my so-called life. So buckle Fine. up. Fair, fair trade, I, fair I, trade. I that podcast. I, I will. <laughs> this guy is Jordan Catalano, though. It's like, he's got the army jacket. He's got the hair, although Jordan Catalano had the shearling thing with the – but it's, it's – yeah. It's spiritually close. the same jacket. Spiritually. It's yeah. true. So Marshall is played by Omri Katz, who has the floppy hair, and will go on to play the protagonist in Hocus Pocus, Max. It's probably his most famous role. The mom, his mom is played by Mary Margaret Humes, who would go on to play the mom on Dawson's Creek. His dad is played by Francis Guinan, who is a very famous stage actor. He's an ensemble member at Steppenwolf, but his IMDb hmm. page is is pretty sparse. I was like, oh, Francis Guinan's super famous. And then I realized, oh, that's for theater people too. And then part of me wonders if that's like a Jose Rivera connection because he was a playwright. Oh. You know, huh. who knows? Could be. Um, yeah. I really like, I really appreciated this, uh, this series' opening sequence. I knew you would. Which so is so good. Oh my God, it's so good. So good. It's, of course... My favorite thing is if you have a show with a mythos, just somebody sitting sitting you down during the introduction, <laughs> being like, "Here's what the show's about." Yeah, uh, it's funny and it's fun. It's like, "Hey, here's what you need to know." Elvis lives on my block. Bigfoot yep. eats out of my trash. And then yep. the second half of it is like, "I don't know. Let's have a psychedelic freakout." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, cool. You got the tone in there as well. That's well done. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I, and I, I love, as you say, uh, shows that really sort of like they give everything to you in that first 30 seconds. They just they just set you off running. You know, I was thinking sort of you guys are talking heroes journey a little bit. I sort of was trying to look at it maybe just like a little bit more Shakespearean five act structure. Ooh. And so much of like the first act of a lot of things is like, boom, right in right in the setup, right in like the first either the opening credit sequence or like in comic books In comic books, they're geniuses at it because they've got it usually down to like two sentences. When mm-hmm. mild mannered Peter Parker was bitten by a spider, he right. got spider powers and you're like, cool. That's right. what I need to know. You know? So no, no spider powers in this, but miles has uh, he has an acumen and an eye for things that don't match up. So yeah and it's it's they they have this device which is somewhat used not in this episode really at all but that he has this paper route so he sees all the weirdness going on because he's biking around town all the time um and he also uh narrates marshall narrates every episode hence his last name teller um what mind blown mind blown oh my god the narration is this real hard-boiled kind of like noir type, child noir type of yeah. thing. Child so, noir. <laughs> so, <laughs> you said that too naturally. That sounds very illegal. <laughs> she was a dame, a gross, icky dame. <laughs> she could give you cooties from across the room. Child noir. <laughs> His opening lines for this episode give us a good setup, which is, he says, uh, a sense of humor is a sign of intelligence. That's what my dad says. He also says that sometimes Simon and I are too smart for our own good. So too smart meaning too funny, meaning humor is going to get us in trouble in this episode. And uh, boy, doesn't it. Uh, So we start out with our first act. We're at the uh, teller home. We are doing a prank war. Now, Forgive me, Chelsea, but Simon's just a pal? They're not brothers? No, they're not brothers. But he says in the pilot that Simon's parents don't seem to want him around. So I kept thinking that was going to be the very special element. Because in a couple of episodes earlier, there's even like when he's leaving his house, you kind of hear like a fight going on. And I thought we were going to get like divorce, some some of that action. And Simon Mm -hmm. was going to go through some things and... You know, as far as I know, that never happens. No, that doesn't. There is a great episode of this series, which I think might be the episode immediately preceding this. That's about backmasking on records. Um, Ooh, man! Which is one of great. my favorite topics ever. I know it is, and so maybe we, maybe <laughs> I won't maybe I won't talk about it um, because maybe we'll do it for another episode. But uh, there yeah. is it's some some like verbal like some really hard to watch verbal child abuse in that episode, but it's not Simon. Right. We just get this idea that like Simon's parents ignore him. Um, and mm-hmm. he's always with the tellers. Well, I mean, and that's like, that's super true to life. You know, I think you either are that house where random kids come and hang out or you are that kid and you're finding the person whose house you can hang out at all right. the time. And like their parents always have food around so you're like, oh, sweet, Starburst or, you know, whatever, pickles, whatever you're into. And uh, so, so I really identified with that sort of with Simon being that sad, hungry kid. Mm. Yeah, he's also younger than Marshall in a way that doesn't doesn't make any difference when you're older. But when you're that age, he's like two or three years younger, which is significant. And there is an episode of the series where Marshall starts hanging out with kids his own age. And Simon's mm. really hurt by that. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I think that the thing that brings them together really is that they both believe that Eerie is weird and weird things are going on. And they are the only other kid in town who believes that. So they have, gotcha. we don't see them, come, we don't see the meet, meet cute. Like if from jump, from the pilot, they're on this quest together. So we don't really know how they meet, but we do know that Simon's always there. And this one, he is helping Marshall set up a prank for the entire family, the old pneumatic goblin in the <laughs> cornflakes attached to somebody's seat prank. When you sit down, something will pop out of your cornflakes. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a pretty um, sophisticated prank. I think there may be oat flakes. It might be oat flakes. That would definitely add another level to it. Uh, uh, the thing so, about this prank is that it's a different thing every time it pops yes. up, right? So they do it to the dad, then they do it to the mom, then they do it to the sister. But every time they do it, they like hear the next person coming and they're like, oh, let's do it again. But yes. so did they have time to go change the thing? Or is there like an apparatus under the table that has like, it's like a CD changer. It's like so different things that are like you know there's a spider and a bat and a severed hand and like plutonium you yeah. know <laughs> plutonium <laughs> oh, no. yeah your prank's gone too far i feel like uh well the the funny thing about this is everybody who they get to fall for the prank immediately says let's all work together to get the next person yeah no one is mad and for longer than a second no, no, no. And you also have to reset those oat flakes. So I'm assuming they're switching it out then. But I do like your plutonium theory. <laughs> that if only they had one more person to prank, it would have been like radiation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> radiation. Radiation. You know, radiation is buried somewhere under the town, right? I mean, that's sure. That's surely. Yeah. Uh, so cut to BF Skinner Junior High School. I and- love it. I love that Amazing. joke. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. This is so funny to me, though, because Skinner, like, Unless I unless I misunderstand who B.F. Skinner was, he did consider free will an illusion, which is a thing. But he had a big impact on education, but it was mostly positive. Like, he believed that teaching should be based on positive reinforcement, not punishment. And that education right. should not only convey information, but interest students in learning. And he suggested that the only thing people learn from punishment is how to avoid punishment. Um and so it's like, why is this? Because he's on, that's this on The Simpsons too, or some other show where it's like Principal Skinner. Oh, Principal Skinner, sure, sure, sure. It's like, why? I think, God. I don't know. I'm just kind of like, why are we acting like this person was mean to kids? That seems to be the joke, but like actually had a big impact on education in a seemingly positive way. One of his biggest contributions is the Skinner box, which if anytime you see a rat presented with a button and receiving a treat, that is a Skinner box. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the joke of it all is like, we're teaching kids. Like we're teaching, we teach rats to push a button. Um, Although I will say the only thing that bugged me, and it's one of the few things in this entire episode that I didn't think was wonderful. I hated that they said it immediately after we saw it. He's, you know, like we see the sign and then he's like, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah, I'm like, don't, don't tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Like just, I see it and it's funny or it's not. Let's, let's keep going. And usually, uh, or a lot of times uh, in the seven or eight episodes I've seen, they're really good about that. They're like, they will throw the joke 
and it's going by at light speed. And if you get it, great. If not, there's, you know, you got to stick some plutonium in some cereal. Like, yeah, that thing's absolutely. Cool. And there are multiple visual sign-based jokes in this series where they oh, never yeah. commented on it. You just see a sign and you're like, that's a callback or that's a joke or whatever. And no one ever mentions it's just in the background. So, but they do. You're right. They do uh, underline it um, in, in the voiceover. So the boys are at school, they get off the bus, and they have some trick gum. Simon says, where's a good victim when you need one? And at that moment, a bully named Dimsdale walks up and snatches the gum away. They warn him, they try to warn him against it, but he, you know, eats all the gum, which I guess is spicy hot gum, Mm -hmm. um, which I can sympathize with. And he (laughs) immediately says, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, Yeah. Yeah. That's that's uh our our uh, pranks have already gone immediately too far. Yeah. Uh, what I find crazy about this is like so earlier when they prank the sister. So we see we see them prank the dad. We see the dad prank the mom. We see the mom start to prank the sister. She pranks her, and then the sister says, "You know, this means war." And we're like, exactly. "Oh, that's what this episode's going to be." And then they give this bully the gum and the bully's like, Oh, I'm coming after you. And you're like, Oh, that's what this episode's going to be. And it's just yep. like red herrings all over the place. Yeah. And we're like, what is even going on? I don't even know what's going on. Yeah. We never see Cindy, Absolutely. the sister again in this episode. Right. Um, but the boys are starting, three boys are standing there and it seems like they, a fight might break out. Uh, the bully is like, Oh, I'm going to get you guys. And, and Simon and Marshall are like, Oh no. And then the principal comes over and he breaks up the fight and he's like, uh, what have I said? No fighting. It's time for you boys to have your eyes checked. And it's like, what? Shouldn't you give them yeah. detention? Why Why exactly. eyes checked? That seems weird. It's so left field. You're like, hey, what? Yeah. It's so great. And that's and our... I wrote down the doctor's name somewhere and, and I can't find it now. But the, the principal, he's another one of those guys that you just you see everywhere. He's in all these movies. He's in all these TV shows. And it, it was so great to see him pop up because, you know, presumably a lot of those guys that we saw on TV in the 80s, 90s are, are dead. Yeah. Very dead. Um, and yeah, yeah, you see him pop up. You're like, oh, that guy. I haven't seen that guy in forever. I love that guy. The, the guys, the principal's name is the same as the principal in Rock and Roll High School. I don't know if it's the same actor. Oh, wow. I'm looking it up right now. the same name. Um, so this is our Togar. Yeah. So this is our weird call to adventure. Marshall says, I've seen more weirdness than any 10 men. But until you've had your eyes checked by the Erie school nurse, you ain't seen nothing yet. So we got a lot of like eye vision puns laced in our call to adventure. This is it. This is, you know, the eye exam is going to end up being the thing that is uh, wrong. That makes that sickens the community in this particular episode. Um, yeah, so time to get our eyes checked. Let's cross the first threshold into the special world, answer that cult's adventure, and get uh, get our eyes checked. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we go to the nurse's office where other children are waiting to get their eyes checked. And that's where we uh, – there's something clearly very strange going on in the nurse's office. And then Dimsdale emerges – with wearing uh, glasses, wearing uh, nerdy glasses. Big, thick, black, plastic frame, chunky glasses. I've always heard them referred to as BC glasses. I believe that's a military term. Before Christ. Because it, nope, birth control glasses. (laughs) 
because ain't nobody gonna fuck you when you wear no glasses. Those are so hard uh, to remove. But they're so hot. They're so hot now. Like right <laughs> now. Now. And I don't want to jump ahead, but well, we're about to get to Nurse Nancy. So I, so let's just let's get there yes. and then we can talk about yeah. talk about that. Right. So Dimsdale comes out and he's incredibly nice and actually apologizes to the two boys, which is super freaky. Yeah, we know something's wrong now. I love I love this moment when he's talking to them. And then he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was being, and then he just stops and kind of looks at the side. And then he finishes his sentence and bol- bolts. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you think of? What did you hear? I want, I want to see that side adventure that like super boring Dale heard with his super hearing now. But, right. you know, I love that moment. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very um, it's very clear that whatever happened in inside the nurse's office has altered his personality in some way, um, and now it's Simon's turn. So now we're into the tests, allies, and enemies, the the rising action, the storytelling. Simon's got to go in and get his eyes checked. Oh, and we hear an important bit of information now, which is that Nurse Nancy is new to the school. She's mm-hmm. only just started right. uh, giving these eye exams, and all the teachers love her. And then the actress comes out that's playing Nurse Nancy, and she is, like, severe-looking in a very particular sci-fi horror way. She's yes. got, like, unnaturally maroon hair and these cat's eye glasses that are very, like, sci-fi and not rockabilly retro. They're, like, right. on this side of that spectrum of cat's eye glasses. The art direction on this show is so is so of a piece. It's so tight. It's like, of course she looks like that. You see her and you're like, of course that's the eerie school nurse. Well, 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 what I wrote down, the first thing I wrote down about her is, like, she looks like a, a nurse that would be confused about why we like Applejacks. <laughs> right, it tastes like apples. What's wrong with your eyes? I'm gonna bring it does really feel like the 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 person who's like, "What's that you're eating? Are you drinking that new Orbit soda? I don't understand that." And they're like, "You never will, you stupid adult." And they're like, "Oh." Okay. <laughs> they go drink and cry alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing I love about uh, Nurse Nancy is like that. That's like literally a sexy costume now, right? Like all of all of the guys from like thirty to forty nowadays are like, oh, owl cat-eyed glasses and and nurse outfit, but also quirky. Like, and it, it must all come from this single episode of television. <laughs> that's it, yeah. sexy Nurse Nancy. There, yeah. This year, everyone else will go for Halloween as someone from Tiger King, and I will go as sexy Nurse Nancy from a 30-year-old episode of children's television. There you go. That is what I will do. Simon is next. Nurse Nancy says that Marshall will have his turn soon, but Simon goes in first, and Nurse Nancy closes the blinds with a scowl so that Marshall can't watch what's about to happen. And Marshall takes a look around this uh, nurse's office and sees other kids, very well-behaved kids with these same glasses. Noises and weirdness starts up in the other room, and he hides. When Nurse Nancy comes out, Simon is forever changed, or he's changed. He He says, I can see now. It's all so clear. I must go study. I must improve my test scores. Mm -hmm. And when she looks for Marshall, he's nowhere to be found. And turns out he is hiding right behind the door. And he escapes. The best place to hide. Right. The last place they'll look. And Marshall says it's like Simon isn't the same kid. Something in his eyes has disappeared. It's important to... Uh, Simon says, I must improve my test scores. And they'll talk about test scores again yeah, later. 
Yeah. yeah. I feel like Absolutely. the 90s was one of the t- was one of the times that we, they were really like knuckling down on standardized testings uh, across all of the school systems. You know, they started tying, um, you know, sort of uh, funding and stuff sometimes to that, at least in Kentucky. At, le- at least in Kentucky, it was really, really ramping up, you know. Um, and, you know, it, it, there's it, there's a not insignificant amount of social commentary going on with that. You know, we've got just kind of like these goofy, fun tropes. But then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, test scores. Mm-hmm. That sucks. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, okay, get real. I think that there's a lot of a lot of social commentary in this series that I uh, just went right over my tiny head as a child and now watching it as an adult knowing what was going on in the world I'm like oh shit I can't believe they got away with this you know like on NBC in 19 in Brandon Tartikoff's NBC in 1991 <laughs> this is like it's not like he was on Fox right right yeah. I mean this is like this is the this is NBC this is like we the land of very special episodes of trying to teach kids stuff and this show is sort of like everything's terrible that's what you should mm. learn about the world things are not what they seem in a bad way um and as a tiny creep I was like this is awesome so cut cut to the world of stuff which is like the bizarro max of this show i I, I was gonna say that it's their max and i love it so much i love the guy uh mr radford Radford. whatever he's so great are you not i i know you're watching through the series yet but are you still on the first radford because there's two (gasps) two radford like a different actor yeah like in story or is it like it turns out that this guy that we meet in this episode is keeping is a psycho that's keeping the real Mr. Radford tied up in the what? basement for the first that's half fantastic. of the season. And then suddenly one day they come it's in like and the Mad-Eye Moody thing then, because he's really yeah. great this episode. Right. Yeah. So, cause right. I really like this guy. And so then later when yeah. I find out people, I'm going to be like, well, do I even like the guy that I well, thought I like? Or do I like no, I, I mean, he doesn't hurt the real Mr. Radford. And then the real Mr. Radford doesn't push, doesn't press charges because he's like he sold a bunch of stuff my revenue's way up so can't complain <laughs> that's fantastic um but so we're at the uh, world of stuff yeah. it's like a soda shop but it also basically sells everything you need it's a town hub they're there almost every episode um either hanging out and having ice cream or buying something um yeah. and marshall's playing an arcade game so there are also arcade games there sure. which i love because the voiceover is like all hard boiled. Oh God, Simon's changed. I'm so worried about him. I didn't see him again for a while. And then he's just playing a video game. (laughs) Whatever. I mean, you know, my friend had the joy sucked out of his soul, but arcade games are cool. (laughs) What can I do about that? His ninjas ain't going to fight themselves though. Come on, buddy. (laughs) I think it's mutants in point of fact. Yes. Simon comes into the world of stuff and Marshall is like, oh, man, he's lost his sense of humor. He's not the same kid. He's like, oh, Simon, you want to play your arcade game? And Simon's like, I don't have a favorite game. And that's such and a good he, line. It's like, how dare you? Um, he, what, wants to, he wants to see metric conversion tables. Yep. <laughs> yep. He's like, where are the metric conversion tables? We need to go metric. I'm sorry. I know that's not the point here, but like those, they're not wrong. They're not Fighting wrong. words. No, yes. I agree with you, but it is a very controversial uh, subject. So the source proprietor, Mr. Radford, as we've discussed, the the original Mr. Radford points him to aisle three next to the crossbows, which that made me laugh. It's like we keep our metric conversion right. tables next to the crossbows. I wanted the crossbows to come back, right? <laughs> right. 
Chekhov's crossbow, and it never did, which made me very sad. <laughs> Mr. Efford also says, that's the 11th zombie today. The kids are so lifeless. You hear how quiet it is? There's no verve. Ugh, I don't know. And he does note that he's moving a ton of floss. <laughs> yes. One yes. of my, I love that joke. And then later, well, they do, they, they set it up as a visual. I don't want to spoilers for the audience. We'll get there. Oh, right? Yeah, we'll get there. Oh, yeah. It is important to remember. He does say he's moving a ton of floss though. And then he sort of walks away. Marshall is concerned. He's concerned because Simon doesn't want to have fun, but also because all the kids look the same and act the same. And they're all kind of, um, you're just sort of staring at these metric conversion tables, but they're not even taking any joy in the metric conversion tables. And Marshall's like, Simon was born to have fun. This is no good. What are we going to do? And this is like a bit of a delayed meeting with the mentor situation here because Radford does have a powerful solution. Yeah. Well, interesting. The interesting thing about this interaction to me is like, this is the first time, at least in the first seven episodes that I've seen, this is the first time an adult ever admits that anything is weird, mm-hmm. right? Like, right. they see stuff, Marshall tries to tell them stuff, they're just, they're completely blind to the fact that they're sort of already all across the threshold, but just in denial about it, right? And then this guy just throws it out like it's nothing, right? He's like, man, I've seen a bunch of zombies today, and it's like, wait, what? Yeah, no, there's zombies, you know there's zombies? Holy crap! Yes, you're right. He very rarely has an ally that's an adult and he needs one because Simon is usually the other person who's like, no, you're right. This is crazy. But Simon is now been lobotomized. So Mr. Radford says he has something. It might be the answer, but it's very powerful. It's the doomsday device, the big bang of bad taste, the GM 2020. Which yep. turns out to be funny nose and glasses Groucho Marx thing. Now, 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 not Groucho Marx. No one ever said Groucho Marx. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you do not so want any trouble with the estate. I apologize. Of the General Motors glasses. <laughs> GM 2020. Yes, it's the big plastic flame glass frame glasses with the big nose and the mustache. Without ever saying his name, uh, Radford says, legend has it they were molded directly from the face of the master himself. I think you know what to do. Yeah. So, puts these things on, and Simon laughs at them and then immediately breaks the spell. So funny are these nose and glasses, as funny as they've never been. Uh <laughs> You know, in hindsight right now, they're maybe kind of anti-Semitic. Oh. What? No, I don't think so. Wait. Like, all you need to look like this famous Jewish community. How could they How could they be anti-Semitic when they also have a weird Hitler mustache element to them? So, <laughs> checkmate, I guess. Oh, no. Anyway, Simon laughs, and Marshall gets him to recount what happened with Nurse Nancy, which is something I like to call... Clockwork Orange Babies. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. This is and this is smart. They're not. It's not an accident at all. Is they oh, are yeah. they have completely reprogrammed this kid via an eye machine. It's very similar to the reprogramming that takes place in Clockwork Orange, via a you know is this better is this better eye lens testing machine. Uh, Simon recounts that he was played a video that says obey the rules, mm-hmm. uh, floss daily yeah. Yeah. is right the there. Yep. Yeah. And then a just a 
disembodied nurse Nancy head starts telling him to behave and he is hypnotized into acting better. But at what cost? Yeah, the is glasses. Is he just a clockwork orange? He's a clockwork orange baby. Um, nurse Nancy says, repeat after me, I'll work and no fun makes Simon a good boy. Which is like the trigger Nerds. phrase because even he's he's just repeating the story to Marshall. And when he gets to that phrase and says it out loud, he goes back into a trance state and Marshall has to put the glasses, the comedy glasses back on to break the spell again. This, that's great foreshadowing. It's just, it's really lovely. Cause like we, as the audience at that point are like, Oh shit, that's going to be a problem later. Yeah. But Marshall, he's on his thing. He's not really taking that in or paying attention to it. Right, and we know because Marshall has the glasses Simon was wearing when all the kids are wearing glasses, but Marshall looks at them and he's like, "This is these are standard. Like, it's not that you putting the glasses on is the thing that triggers this. It's this, it's this phrase we realize as the audience. So yeah. Simon's like, okay, we got to do something. I mean, uh, Marshall says, we got to do something before the whole school gets zombified. What are we going to do? Then he decides, I got to go in and I got to get my own test done, even though it's dangerous. It's the only way that we're going to stop her. And this is just classic hero's journey stuff. The hero has to do a scary thing for the good of the community, even at great personal cost. It is what differentiates a hero from a protagonist. And he's like, you know what? The whole school is at risk. I got to go. I got to put my life on my vision on the line and get my own eyes tested. Yeah. I mean, and this is where, well, either right here or the next morning when he talks to his parents about it, you know, it's kind of also where we hit like act three in the five act structure where, you know, there's this decision being made that cannot be taken back, you know, mm -hmm. after which uh, things will be different one way or the mm -hmm. other. Um, and it's about halfway through the episode, which I, I like really, I thought was great and fun. Yeah, so his plan is to have Simon secretly videotape Nurse Nancy hypnotizing Marshall during his exam. Now, in today, in 2020, this would be as easy as taking out your tiny iPhone. Nice. And in 1991, this involves a camcorder as big as a VW bus, which needs to be smuggled into the school in a book sack and then taken out in the, in the uh, nurse's office. And it, there's no way to do this covertly. So Simon is going to have to to help. Yeah. So they're going to they agree that Simon has to pretend that he's still under the hypnotic suggestions. Uh, and he'll record Marshall's uh, exam. And yeah, so the parents get a call. We're now in, in uh, yeah, the next scene, the parents receive a call that Marshall skipped out on the eye exam. Whoever is calling them, I assume the principal or Nurse Nancy herself, says that Marshall has been super disruptive and uh, that his test scores could be better. That's mm -hmm. a big one as well. Marshall comes home and they they immediately lay into him about it. And Marshall's like, I'll go do it tomorrow. No big deal. Yeah. I mean, the dramatic irony is that we know that he wants to go because he wants right. to film it. But it's an interesting thing. This happens twice. Dad is like, you can't blend in with other students. You have to at least follow the rules. And mom's like, is not fitting in such a bad thing? So yeah. the way the parents are drawn on this show is really interesting and really like they're fallible and they're kind of oblivious, but they'd love him. And it's interesting because it's like the writers don't want the parents to just have this, this party line of like, you need to fit in at school. 
There has to be yeah. dissent within the marriage so we keep the parents on because that you hear that one time and then you just write those characters off and you're like they're jerks, you know? So there needs to yeah. be at least some back and forth. It may not be the first time on television that this happens. I don't know, or maybe it is. It marks such a dramatic change from you know similar TV shows in the 80s. And when I say similar, I just mean sort of aimed at the same demographic and played at vaguely the same time of you know of day. Yeah, um, yeah and it's it's like, hey, this is the 90s. We, we get we're about to get a whole decade of that. And and they're like right there on on it with their finger on the pulse right there and it's kind of incredible. It is um, that they're right there on it. You would usually have kid adventure based series with tr- parents that would then tether them back to the reality of the moral situation that they're in. It's like, yes, you may have done something important, but here's the lesson you must learn from this situation. And this yeah. one you know, morality, at least by these two characters, is put up as a question instead of an absolute, which is, like Chelsea said, like they're both saying, it's really smart. Yeah, it humanizes them uh, in a way that I didn't see parents be humanized until I watched my so-called life a couple of years later. Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) If you have to watch it, I guess that's, you know. I found my kindred spirit. Um, Right. So right, well, we know also by this, this is my point, last episode, everyone it looks like I've <laughs> yes. been finally replaced. Miles couldn't do the job, but Allie just slipped right on in there. So. No, no, no. It's a, we need both podcasts, right? Like let's not oh, yeah. buy false dichotomies. We need, we need all of these podcasts until every man, woman, child, dog, cat, non-binary person and attractive mailbox has their own podcast. The work will not be done. This is true. Truly. So by this point in the show, we also know that there's there's no reason for Marshall to try to explain to them what's actually going on. You, he's going to have to handle it himself. And we, I mean, at this point in the series, he's he's tried to bring things to them before, and either they can't see them because they're adults, or they don't. It's never that they don't believe him. That's an important thing too. They're never like you are crazy, you are overreacting, yeah. you're hysterical. There, it's just there's always an explanation. There's always a mundane explanation for whatever he's telling them about, and they they choose to believe that mundane explanation and not the more whimsical explanation so we know there's no point in them being in him being like the nurse is hypnotizing kids and da 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 he's gonna have to just handle it himself things might have gone according to plan except that simon goes home to his house where he lives totally alone apparently um (laughs) and the phone rings and it's nurse nancy and she uses the trigger phrase and puts him back under the spell and simon is compromised yeah. Bum, bum. But what's going on there? Like, does she know? Does she like suspect Marshall of something and maybe. Simon of something? Or maybe she or just does that every maybe. night. She just calls every kid. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's not explained how she knows to do this, but she seems pretty sure of herself. So she just goes for it. Uh, so now we're in act three, back outside the school. The parents are bringing Marshall to school continuing to be disappointed about his behavior and they're going to walk him into that nurse's office to make sure he takes his eye exam. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they, they encounter the principal 
who says an orderly classroom is a quiet classroom and a quiet classroom creates better test scores. So again, we have the mention of test scores as being like the ultimate measure of what a student is supposed to achieve and what a school is supposed to provide and how we're all supposed to be measuring our own self-worth by these test scores. And uh, the principal then mentions, and this is an important wrinkle, that Nurse Nancy is planning to expand free vision care to the whole staff and eventually all of Erie, which means now Marshall's parents are in danger. It's not just the kids. The whole town's in danger, and he really has to act fast. I I think this is the first time in the series – correct me if I'm wrong – but I think this is the first time in the series that, like, the threat is – like a, a threat to the to the whole town, right? It, it might like, be the first time in the series, but it won't be the last time because there are several mm-hmm. other episodes where it's like everyone, all of the adults are and the kids are in danger from the same thing, and he and Simon mm-hmm. are the only ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. you're right. I think up to this point, he's been in danger or Simon's been in danger, but it hasn't been an existential threat to the entire town. Um, yeah. But now we're going to finally approach the inmost nurse's office case. <laughs> Uh, yes uh, Nurse Nancy comes out and introduces herself She says that her name is Just Nancy The mom says like Cher And she's like not quite uh, Solid joke I yeah, like to think that, it, that that's the moment Where like when she was much younger She tried to be Cher And oh. was like brutally shut down <laughs> And like She was like fine If I can't be Cher If you're going to be mean to me When I try to be Cher I will brainwash everyone Into being boring I think that's her backstory It's revenge I can't have fun being Cher No one will have fun Doing anything (laughs) Uh, Um, So yeah The nurse says That Marshall is up next Parents and principal leave And Simon is already there It's a big important thing That this is the first time He's seeing Simon all day mm -hmm. And it's Marshall's turn To get an eye exam and Marshall doesn't know that Simon's been compromised. He thinks Simon is playing along, pretending to be right. hypnotized, but Simon really is actually hypnotized. So the three of them go into the exam room, and Nurse Nancy says, Just relax, Mr. Teller. Things go so much easier when people follow the rules. Don't you agree? And he responds, That's what they tell me. Which is what I'm about to start saying a lot in my life. I'm just so No matter what it's in response to, that's what they tell well, me. Isn't this also the place where she's like creepily like, I've been watching you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Bravery she... is bad or whatever. Yeah. Courage she... and imagination. He says, she says he, you have such courage and imagination. And these days, she says, these days demand a certain simplicity, a certain shallowness. Fun is poison. It frees the mind. This is this is dope right here. This, this is, is like so good. they're not fucking around. This they're is like, like, hey everybody, we're having fun. There's some goofy music in the background, but this is what conform conformity <laughs> does. This yeah. is why I wanted to watch this episode because I was like, oh it's shit, good. is this an anti-very special episode? Because mm-hmm. she says, according to her she's like fun frees the mind and then it wanders to who can say where and then you might ask difficult questions and we can't afford that so it's basically like oh shit like i really truly feel like this episode of nbc children's television which aired less than a month before the johnny dakota episode on the same (laughs) network Oh boy, the that'll same put it in context. Is like is saying like I know, it's like you can't but it's it's I feel like the writers are saying you can't brainwash kids through TV into not trying things, into not asking questions, into not experimenting with stuff. 
you yeah. it, you can't like in it won't the, work especially in the name of behavior in the name of results test scores like if, exactly if the results are you know quantifiable it doesn't matter the 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 means to get there isn't you know it's, right. It's determinism versus free will, which is a funny argument to have at BF Skinner Junior High. It's maybe the only argument to have there. there but it is. it's like it's like they're saying kids are gonna be messy and loud and rude and fuck up. And there's mm-hmm. you know, trying to brainwash them through TV is not the solution not the solution to kids just being kids. Which, right. you know, you may say that's a lackadaisical um sort of tact to take. But these people are, I think these people are like, we have a duty to entertain kids and creep them out a little. We are not yeah. here to to moralize and teach, them, like, behaviorize them. This is not our job as TV makers. I think it's a fucking bold stance to take on NBC in 1991. I think so, too. Being but I mean, listen to the conversation we've been, we've been having. We've talked about how it's resonated throughout, like, decades and decades of other specific similar examples. I mean, it's not lazy. It's not. It's not crudely done. This is a very smart show. Whether it's like, you know, your older brother's friend who introduces you to a record store or a cool movie that you get or this episode of Area Indiana. I feel like in most kids' lives, there's this there's this time where somebody admits that this all seems weird, right? Because the whole right. time you're a kid, for the most part, it seems weird. It seems like, yeah, no, you guys are saying this all works one way mm-hmm. and that is completely not my lived experience and then eventually finally someone's like oh yeah no this is this is awful this is weird and awful and it hurts and yeah we've been basically lying to you the whole time and then you're like yes thank you and you were like connected to that person forever or that movie or you know whatever anything that finally talks to you instead of trying to push you around. Yeah. That's, that's always been the, the, you know, a lot of when the PMRC uh, issue was going on, the, the uh, censoring music for the sake of morality, a lot of people kept saying the same thing, which is the reason music is important is I'm think I might be paraphrasing Marilyn Manson here. You can put on a record and it's not going to yell at you or tell you what to do. You know, it's going to it's going to be there and it's going to identify with you and you're going to be able to think for yourself through listening. I mean, it's just this is a really important message for kids, um, yeah. you know, yeah. I think that's, Unless that's, you backwards and then it will tell you to murder people if you, if you play yeah, the music. But, yeah. But it won't judge you for murdering people. And I think that's the important <laughs> that's thing. That's the important thing. Here. Exactly. Exactly. So this is this is now the supreme ordeal. We're having the, the big showdown. Nurse Nancy's firing up the machines. She's clearly relishing this. Um, yeah. She's like, I'm going to have fun. Marshall is trying to cue Simon to start, start recording. But Simon is just sitting there. And that's when Marshall realizes that something is wrong. The hypnotizing message, the swirling thing begins again. They're flashing lights in Nurse Nancy's head. And then there are things written out that are just sort of zipping around. And some of my favorites are conform, think alike, do not ask. And movies are for restless people. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very specific thing. That's amazing. That too. That's great. Restless people. (laughs) What are the things I love about this moment, uh, and I noticed it both times, I watched this you know, a week ago and I watched it again today, is that 
there's nothing connecting them to the chair. Like they're not wrapped <laughs> in or, you know, tied up or anything, but they're like, no, no, I can't. No. But it's like, dude, you're just sitting. There. Close your it's eyes. True. Yeah. I get the feeling that the, this specific scene is why they're like, well, we can't have him tied to the chair. He's going to do stuff. Cause first he throws his backpack to Simon mm-hmm. Who immediately gives it to Nurse Nancy? Yeah, you know, this is where Marshall realized. I know. <laughs> I was like, dude, well, at least be smooth about it. Oh, she also. Anyway, Nurse uh, Nancy also has a line here that I think is another sort of like anti, very special episode um, line. Yeah. She says, "I save children from their own nasty habits. Someday you might thank me." I'm like, yeah. "Whoa, mm-hmm. shit! That's pretty. That's pretty on the nose." Yes, it's real fucked up. Yeah. Crucially, she uh, she gets the book sack and she unpacks it. And she's taking stuff out of it and she's like, camcorder, da-da-da. And she puts the glasses, the funny glasses, right next to Marshall's, where he's sitting as she's unpacking yeah. the stuff. Did, did you say book sack? Yeah, I know, right? I've been dealing <laughs> with this for ever since I've met Chelsea. She says book no, sack. I- like uh, that's a that's a 18th century thing ali <laughs> it's an 18th century thing nobody says that the only time i've ever heard it is from a man who's like i'm about to die and i remember back in the 1800s when i used to have a book sack Wah. yeah <laughs> you've yeah. never you've <laughs> never <laughs> spoken to someone on their on their deathbed i'm from louisiana that's what we said we said book sack <laughs> I want to clarify. I'm for it. I'm for books back. <laughs> oh. I'm, you know, let's bring it back. Let's make it happen. I just oh. needed to make sure. You know, it gets weird in my head sometimes. I'm bipolar and I have ADHD, so like, if I'm hearing words that aren't there, I need to know. No, you know, so that's fine. But we action. do, we do try to discourage that uh, specific <laughs> word if we can. It's an unofficial stance that we take here on hugging and learning. We're trying to 50% learn. 50% of us take that stance on hugging and learning. I'm pretty, we got to move along. Chelsea, we have to move along. I'm so sorry. We're running low on time. Uh, so um, Mar- the, the nose and the glasses are next to, to Marshall now. I yeah. quick aside, love the Bond villainness of this where it's like, yes. oh, I'm just going to put the only thing that can defend me right next to where you can grab it where you're not even tied up like it's amazing that she stays in the room instead of like i'll be back when this is done <laughs> right but he is able to grab them he slips them on he cracks up simon and breaks simon's trance and then they jump up and they run and they get to the door and they're like we're going to the fbi but then they open the door and the principal and an army of bespectacled zombies greets them and then they go back into the office to confront Nurse Nancy, which they have to do. They can't just run like they have to solve. They have to defeat her. If they right. just let her keep doing what she's doing, then there's the whole town is at risk. So they, they try to take the easy way out, but then they're blocked. I'm calling the FBI is the, like the best. Like I lost it when he said that. <laughs> he <laughs> says it's so serious. Where do you think you're going? <laughs> We're going to the FBI. Yeah, the, like, yeah. Oh, the, my God. The eerie just, I couldn't let it go by unremarked yeah that's their ultimate plan that's why they keep gathering evidence because they're like eventually we're gonna go we know the local cops are not paying any attention also um in a fun sort of like one of the easter eggs is that some of the some of the cops from twin peaks play cops on this show oh that's great um so when the when uh they get back they have to confront nurse nancy 
And she says, my world is orderly and peaceful. And Marshall says, yeah, well, I like my world messy and alive. And she, because he's wearing the Groucho glasses, somehow he's able to like scare her into sitting in the exam chair. And then he says, you need a taste of your own medicine. You're going to relax and think about how good it feels to have fun. And she's like, no, not fun. And then, you know, the only moment in this show where I'm like, uh, okay, writers, you're showing your age a little bit here. Little bit. <laughs> um, a little bit creepy. Yeah. She, it is also a little bit creepy. And also, you know, how. So he puts her in the machine. It starts to uh, play different messages. Marshall's head tells her to have fun and stuff like that. And this is what I think you're referring to, Chelsea, is they, they give her a very specific phrase. Yeah, new trigger phrase. He says, whenever you hear the phrase, want bomba do bump, want bumpa do bump, you will begin laughing and never stop. So we're talking like uh, little Richard, want bomba do bump, tutti frutti. Yeah, the yeah. beginning of tutti frutti. It's not, that's not what they say in the song. Like, <laughs> that is the wrong phrase. And every time they say it, it's like like nails into my eyeballs. Do you think it's another like, copyright they, thing? Yeah, I think they might have they might have been like, doing that. Because they never sing it; they just say it. It, it just nails on a chalkboard. I, yeah. I listened to it a few times. What they're saying is "womp bum a doo dop," and I'm like, no, that's no, not. No, also, little Richard must be spinning also, in his uh, jewel encrusted grave. <laughs> little Richard, let me see what year that song came out. Fun fact, originally, Tutti Frutti was a body song about big butts. Tutti Frutti Big Booty was the original lyrics that were changed for mass consumption. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, 1955. So this is a song from 1955 that a teenager in 1991 is going to use as the ultimate fun catchphrase. I'm like, come on. Come on. Just, Which is funny because these glasses are they're symbolically 50s-style glasses. Yeah, maybe it's that's like, well, it. what are we doing? It's fine. It's fine. Uh, a lot of these visual motifs are from the 50s and 60s. God, I can't believe I'm defending this choice now. I hate it so much. No. But, yeah. And you, other places in the series, too, like the Tupperware. There's a Tupperware episode. They're putting people in Tupperware. You know, it, it's all of these 50s and 60s things. And – you know, stylistically, that's sort of like the "Hey, America's perfect" time of our made-up history mm-hmm. that we sort of are accepted uh, American history. So it's a very specific refusal, right? Like it's a very specific rejection. Yeah, that's that's smarter than I thought it was. I'm glad you pointed that out. It is solid point, and 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 it it harkens. Yeah, look look proud. I'm talking. <laughs> I'm, I'll call it out so that our audience knows. Um, it also harkens back to what was mentioned earlier, which is Twin Peaks, which that town in David Lynch himself draws that comparison of he sets things in a sort of nebulous 50s feeling thing because it's like this is the ideal america and here's what's under the surface of that ideal america so this is a really solid point i think that's a very specific choice and a specific you know way to undo this person's uh master plan yeah Mm -hmm. so uh her master plan is undone we've now reached the reward consequences portion she gets (laughs) done with uh her he exam first when he took the power from her i was very excited about sword seizing yes exactly they the, her exam is done and they put the the glasses on the comedy glasses on her and they say in unison uh unison whatever the 
mangled bump a doo dump phrases and she just yep. starts laughing uncontrollably um and so then we have uh we are into act three of the hero's journey we're going to return to the ordinary world such as it exists in eerie very extraordinary ordinary world and heal the community um because right. she starts laughing super hard and the principal and the rest of the kids rush in sure. yeah the rest of the they all rush in they see the glasses they all crack up and everyone is instantaneously cured by nurse nancy hilariously yeah world saved she's wearing the glasses she's she's yelling womp bump a doo bump and they all start laughing and they take off their glasses and and the world is saved um let's just hope no one triggers them again in the future because apparently all it takes is that one phrase and yeah, let's hope no one working. says it in jest and then triggers uh, uh re-hypnotizing of people it's true um, and then Nurse Nancy have... high kicks and dances her way out of the school, and we see her equipment go dark because I was like, "That's still all sitting in there," but it all kind of like goes dark as though without her there, it's not operational. But I hope that they destroy really? it anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's not a cool thing to have just laying around hypnotic gear. Right? Your don't they tell her something orange. about? Don't they tell her something about going north? Yeah, Marshall says. Don't stop until you get to the North Pole. There you go. I, got, I kind of have a problem with that, though. Like, like that's a, a he's telling her to kill herself, and he follows up on it again later. Yeah, right? it's not like, just yeah. a joke. Throw We're gonna away. see it. Because yeah, in the attic, he's like, hopefully she's on the way to North Pole. And I'm like, she's gonna die. She's under. Yeah. <laughs> she's gonna exactly. Ocean like murder. Marshall um, Teller's a murderer. Basically, well, she's. The brainwasher, so you know, it all comes out in the wash. It all comes out in the brainwash. In the brainwash. Um, <laughs> so Marshall sums it up as he, at the end of every episode of Airy Indiana, they enter a piece of physical evidence into their evidence locker. So he's got the, the black frame glasses. Um, or is it the Groucho glass? No, she's still got the Groucho glasses. No, it's, yeah, he's got a he's bunch got of a, the, the black frame glasses. Yeah, and he's got them in a little evidence baggie, and he says, Nurse Nancy wanted order and boring drones that loved homework. Sure, that's okay sometimes, but give me a little chaos and fun any day. And then there's a tag of Nurse Nancy encountering a Mountie at the Canadian border, and she's still Laughing. giggling. Yeah. yeah. She's wearing crazy did, colors and not her white nurse's uniform. And um, about, about that, did anybody else clock the fact that Nurse Nancy is dressed almost exactly like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air <laughs> in this moment? <laughs> It is. If you watch the introduction to Fresh Prince of Bel Air, it is a pretty much shot for shot remake <laughs> Nurse Nancy. Oh. It's like a purple sweater, a, a, a neon green shirt, cool glasses, and beads every which way. Yeah, so she's driving into Canada laughing. The Canadian says, Americans, which, you know what, anymore, fair. I don't blame you, Canadians. Fucking fair. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. So, Presumably, and- she stopped in Van City before <laughs> heading in the north. Yeah. So. Oh, maybe she will. Maybe she will maybe stop she in will. Van City. Um, I don't think um, Van City is has- on the way to the North Pole from Erie. I think you have to go. You have to hang a hard left at some point to hit Van City. Yeah. The 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 joke about America though is another one of those subtle things that it's very easy to just kind of blow right past. But again, coming after a decade full of like G.I. Joe and and crap like that, like taking the piss out of America as, as a as a True. body of you know, as a, as an entirety and in its wholeness is, 
yeah, like that's not a thing that was being done. With, I truly at all. I'm not going to call this a pro drug episode, but I am going to call it an anti <laughs> anti drug episode because <laughs> it's like I mean, if you substitute fun for drugs, it's like drugs make your mind wander. They cause chaos. They make a mess. And I think what this episode is saying is don't listen to the just say no subliminal and overt messages on other shows. Just think for yourself and make your own decisions. I truly think that's what it's saying. I mean, the title is so. what really convinces me. The title is just say no fun. And yeah. I, I mean, I just can't believe this aired one month before Johnny Dakota and Brandon Tartikoff didn't pull it from the air. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Did he well, really I mean, not the, catch the undertones? I mean, at- the thing that you that he says at the end. I'm glad you 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 quoted that because it's also a call for responsible frivolity. Yeah, uh, which is yeah, it's like hey, it's all right to you know follow the rules and do what you what you're supposed to do at times, but every now and then, free thinking chaos might be something to keep you going. Yeah. I keep you sane. Yeah. We're kids. We're supposed to do crazy stuff like that. We don't want any sort of education. (laughs) To paraphrase Pink Floyd. I was going to (laughs) say. Too grammatically. Original lyrics, actually. Yeah. We'd prefer no education if that's an option. (laughs) (laughs) Further, we would prefer no mind control. um, The AV Club wrote, I think 2017, I'll link the article. They did a pretty good uh, sort of recap of why this show was so ahead of its time it was a nearly perfect ratings bomb it was number 74 out of 78 shows that year oh my god i mean it was the bottom of the barrel it it this is i mean you can't expect that a show to get a season two when it's number 74 out of 78 like here's the thing here's here's the thing though from what i know of the 90s and nbc and that sort of thing i'm willing to put money on the fact that nbc ordered this and then when they got it they're like uh, we're not promoting this if this show had because i would have bet you dollars to to various donuts if you would ask me i had been like oh this was probably on fox right where this show belongs on fox fox would have promoted the hell out of this i'm sure it would have at least all aired out if not gotten a second season. If yeah. It on Fox instead. Um, the reason, the, the reason they were able to get this show on the air, according to the AV club is because of Joe Dante, because he had had so much right. success sort of straddling the line between humor and horror. Mm. Jose Rivera and Carl Schaefer had previously written for family matters and other family sitcoms, but Joe Dante was the person that they got in the package that made the network be like, okay, you're greenlit. But then Joe Dante was the person who said that they should they should do the show on film instead of video, which made every episode much more yeah. expensive to produce, oh. which was another thing. You can see it, though. It is beautiful. The, the way this thing is shot and the way it looks now is really gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and you're so right, because I'm reading through my notes. NBC had no idea how to market the show, pairing it against the family comedy The Torkelsons. <laughs> Which you know how I feel about the Torkelsons, but no. p- <laughs> they're bitter enemies. They don't belong together. So they should true. be friends, far it's away so friends. They're the bizarro world versions of each other. Um, and since the kids, since there were kids as the protagonists of it, it seemed like a show for that age group. But the tween mm. horror market hadn't really kicked into high gear yet. It was right. Goosebumps. The Goosebumps series was going to start the next year. Are you afraid of the dark? Was going to kick into gear. Man. 
it, yeah, that was all coming down the line, but and Twin Peaks had had one season, but like X Files was not a thing yet. Like the Twilight Zone hadn't been rebooted yet. From my memory, uh, speaking of Joe Dante, uh, the one of the closest films of his that I can compare to this is Gremlins, which yeah. is you take the ordinary, you make it extraordinary, and. Having grown up around that time, I can remember in my family and, and a lot of other people's families, you couldn't watch The Gremlins. That was violent and horrible and blah, yeah. scary. He also did The Burbs. Yeah, and The Burbs. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Joe Dante straddled this line very well. And I'm so, it makes so much sense that it's Joe Dante who's doing this already and then incorporating people who are writing sitcoms anyway, like mainstream sitcoms, in order to, it's just, it's... It's it's perfect. It's it's just really bad timing, and I think it needs to be re rebooted. Do you hear that, Hollywood? Now that I've said the word rebooted, I'm sure it's going to it's actually already happening. I'm amazed that it isn't. I would love to see sort of a version of this show that had that built that deeper mythology and mm -hmm. kept things going. Like I want to see ten episodes or two seasons down the line. I want to see somebody use the phrase to make one of the zombie kids do what they want to do. You know, I want to see the things circle back. It would be so cool. Absolutely. Hearing about all of the, the bears, Easter eggs and things like that. Can I pitch something to you guys? Maybe this will work out. It's this same show, except in order to add diversity, the Teller family is actually from Jamaica and you call it Irie, Indiana. Oh my God. <laughs> There was That's it for me, folks. Um, stay tuned for Hugging and Learning with Chelsea Valley. <laughs> there, was, there was a show <laughs> called Gravity Falls on the Disney Channel. Um, yeah. it ran, ran for two seasons. And the creator has straight up said, like, this is my take on Erie, Indiana, basically. Yeah. It's about these fraternal twins who are handed over to their great uncle who uh, runs a tourist trap called the Mystery Shack in the town of Gravity Falls, Oregon, and they soon realize the town holds many secrets. So I feel like this show, if you watched it as a kid, made a big impact. I mean, this was um, this was the beginning of the sort of like the suburbs are not safe turn of uh, popular culture, the David Lynchian sort of like there's something always rotten below the surface, which was not a thing. I mean, it's funny when you think about, I always think about when, uh, you know, I'm sure you all remember from theater school that someone's mm -hmm. like, yeah, before Death of a Salesman, no one wrote tragedies about ordinary people. Everybody thought tragedies had to be about kings and diplomats and da da da. And you're like, someone had to be the first person to write a tragedy about a not a king. And I feel yeah. like David Lynch had to be the first person to be like, yeah, the suburbs are scary, y'all. The small yeah. towns are scary. The opening shot of, of Blue Velvet is one of the greatest things of all time, where it is a white picket fence, a, an immaculately, uh, uh, um, uh, immaculately groomed lawn, and then the camera dives to just below the surface where you see it's full of bugs and worms. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's it. That's David Lynch in a nutshell. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like this was a part of what the 90s were all about, which is saying, do we, wait, why are we just trying to consume and have a good time? Shouldn't somebody be uh, singing sad songs? Shouldn't we be all be thinking things through and giving up at the same time? Shouldn't we have cynicism? And that's why the 90s invented cynicism. <laughs> 
No, I mean, God, don't get me started on the decade as a whole. Like, I have so many thoughts about it. The fact that, like, it culminates in Fight Club and September 11th is just, like, yeah. insane. And it, and it starts with uh, um, it starts with Motley Crue and C&C Music Factory. Yeah. Bananas. And in the middle, when, we have the Backstreet Boys and the Spice Girls and, and also Dave Matthews and also a ska revival and also mm-hmm. a big band revival. The and also various riots. Bonkers. The Zoot Stoot Riot, for example. <laughs> many, so many squirrels know. died in the Zoot Stoot Riot. Do you, do you remember how many squirrels and nuts and zippers died in the Zoot Stoot Riots? <laughs> Oh, uh, the Brian Setzer Orchestra was forever changed. <laughs> All right. So, Allie, at the end of every episode, we talk about who we wanted to hug and what we learned. Do you want to go first? I, I want to hug Nurse Nancy. Like, I, yeah. I really think she, like, I want to see the redemption of Nurse Nancy. Somebody hurt her. Something bad <laughs> happened. There was a moment where she had to stand up and see reality and she couldn't handle it. And she just, she cracked a little bit, but I feel like with, you know, with some really good psychotherapy, uh, some good hugs, mm-hmm. I feel like she's going to be okay. Hugs and drugs. Hugs and drugs. Uh, I have a theory that nurse Nancy's last name is something like lip shits, <laughs> something funny. And like, uh, she's she's forever uh, um, you know rallying against fun because you know she can't even say her last name without children laughing at her. Yeah, yeah. Now she's just Nancy, which I think is is you know let's just call that canonical. It's fine. So you would yeah. hug her. You would hug Nurse Nancy as well. I hug Nurse Nancy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think so. If 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 there's anybody who needs a hug in this, it is Nurse Nancy. What about you, Chelsea? I, well, Nurse Nancy's now got two hugs, so I want to spread it around a little, and I would hug the mom. Because every time the dad is like, you got to bring up your grades, you got to fall in line, just in this episode. I mean, you get the, you know from the cold open or the teaser that, like, this is a loving family. But in this right. episode, she's the one that's like, does our kid have to be like all the other kids? Does he need to fit in? And I'm like, yeah, mom, you just keep bringing that up with an earshot of the kid. Um, so I would, I would hug her. That's solid because that's such an important addition to this series and a brave stance to take as somebody like, wait, I know we're talking about our child behaving and doing well in school, but do they have to? <laughs> that's ballsy right there. Yeah. What did we learn? I'm, I'm, I get it. Uh, not, not much that I didn't already know. Um, I learned how awesome this show was for sure, but you know, otherwise, Yeah. Uh, I, I learned from all of the things that we mentioned uh, that I saw instead of this, that conformity is not education. Yeah, there yeah. you go. That's a real good solution. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say learned as much as sort of remembered and reflected. Um, the sort of the appropriation by capitalism of the be different, of the like be yourself, sort of of all of those mimetic ideas uh, that 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 didn't used to be a thing that was shoved down our throat constantly yeah. every seconds, and sort of remembering growing up in the '80s and like GI Joe being a thing that seemed reasonable at the time, you know, <laughs> and this, this whole decade where they went like, yeah, no, that's that's horseshit, guys. That's that's no good at all whatsoever. 
it's always interesting to look back at a time before something became an enforced norm. Mm. 100%. Or also look back when, ironically, things used to be the opposite. And, you know, we used to rally against those Russians interfering with our democracy. And that was like the main goal of America was to keep communism out of here. And it's like, well, now nobody thinks that and it's <laughs> happening and I, I i this this could get cut out i don't know but i i think about it all of the time there's um there's a, a british duo uh called mitchell and webb they're fantastic comedians and they have this one sketch where they're both playing these military officers who are interrogating a prisoner and they're both decked out like black suits with like skulls on the helmets and things like that and they're like if you don't tell us what's happening we're gonna kill you and your entire family and one of them goes um, wait a second. Are we the baddies? <laughs> like, it's it's vaguely like Nazi looking soldiers being like, are we the bad guys in this? We seem to be evil. Is that a thing? Just had a realization. Anyway. What uh, I learned, I think, is that Brandon Tartikoff did not screen every episode <laughs> of every television show on NBC because I can't imagine as a studio head, you read this and you don't realize the undertones of it the month before yeah. you you yourself put the, yourself on Saved by the Bell and look down the, the barrel of the camera. What is the Saved by the Bell episode title again? No Hope with Dope. Yeah, and this is just a no fun. Oh, God. Oh. You know what happened? You know what I bet happens? This would be my my Brandon Tartikoff fanfic. (laughs) He was like in his office, and he was like, and somebody was like, hey, um, we've got a couple flags on this uh, eerie Indiana episode. Do you want to read it? And he's like, no, I'm too busy learning my lines for (laughs) Saved by the Bell. What do I say again? No hope and dope. You're going to kill it, Tartikoff. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Allie. Thank you so much for joining us on this. This is such a blast to talk yes. about. I really appreciate yeah. that you came on. Yeah. And anytime you want me to come back, uh, feel free. Cause this, yeah, I don't get enough chances to spend an entire hour talking about one short thing. <laughs> we don't want to talk about that anymore. So this is very nice. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Allie, for joining us today. Um, and we will see you all next time. Bring snacks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks.